Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing Edge of Tomorrow. Jamie, I thought it was Live, Die, Repeat. All right, we've got to get this straight, guys. What is the name of this movie? It's not us that needs to get it straight. It's the, <laughs> it's the film company. It's the studio. Yeah, we were comparing notes before we started recording, and I think our DVD uh, boxes each have a different formation of the title on it. Um, <laughs> yep. So, yeah. And for our Nerd Alert this week, we have an empty spot. And so if you would like to be featured on our Nerd Alert segment, all you have to do is go on Apple Podcasts and shoot us a review. Um, please make it five stars. Five stars are what we prefer. Um, if you want to send an honest review that's not five stars, we've got an email address for that. It's roundtablenerds <laughs> at gmail.com. We will read those. Um, but we're going to try something a little different this week. Um, we're tinkering with the format just a fuzz. And we're going to move Keeping It 100 to the beginning. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right. Um, I think, Sammy, this was your genius idea. So I think we should make you go first. All right. Not a problem at all. So, you know, we, we talked about one to start out, jump into a little bit of positivity, just get everybody kind of hooked. Um, so my keeping it 100, if we are ready, gentlemen. That's OK. I've got mine going. Uh, so I'm totally going off brand tonight and I'm going to suggest Marvel Masterworks, The Amazing Spider-Man Volume 1. So this collects the old webhead's first appearance in Amazing Fantasy 15, as well as Amazing Spider-Man issues 1 through 10. Um, you know, as modern readers, I think we take for granted this concept of our heroes with feet of clay. But this was something new in these early comics. And, you know, Stan breaks all the rules with Spidey. He takes the teenage sidekicks and makes him the protagonist of his own story. These are the tales that pretty much establish who Peter Parker is. All the teenage foibles, all the hero moments. So if you only know Spidey from the movies, or maybe you started reading later on, then you owe it to yourself as a fan to go and check these stories out. You will not be disappointed. So Marvel Masterworks, The Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 1. <clears throat> Awesome, awesome. Sounds great. Love me some Spider-Man. Uh, along with the 66 of Batman, the old Spider-Man TV show probably was my introduction uh, into superheroes. You know, And then we got the glorious Superman 78, which we'll be reviewing. Uh, That's great. Yeah. And those are, I mean, it is a different experience than reading modern comic books. But, I mean, Ditko and Stan Lee were firing on. I mean, all cylinders. It oh. is. It is. They're, they're a fun read. Oh yeah, and like I said, I mean, there's just so much that, even with with Spider Man as a character, we we kind of take for granted. You know, oh, this is who Spider Man is. But taking your taking yourself back to that moment when all of this first started, uh, you see Electro or Sandman or Doc Ock for the first time. It's interesting to kind of listen to or kind of read. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, awesome. I will. Still say Miguel O'Hara is the best Spider-Man, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go. <clears throat> okay, Jay, uh, I will sir. say you for keeping it 100. 
Okay, I'm going to go with a show that my kids got me watching on Netflix, The Dragon Prince. And I never heard of this show. Um, I'm clearly not its target audience. <laughs> but it is a, it's a fun show, and it, it's got a little bit of the Pixar feel, where there's, like, there's stuff for the grown-ups that are watching, too. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, my kids are having a blast with it. I think, I think we're three episodes in. That they're, they're re-watching it with me. And the animation is really good. It's, 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 it's a fantasy story, but it's kind of like the way it's set up. It's kind of weirdly reminiscent of the Spider-Verse movie. Like they got, like, it feels like there's a slower frame rate. And so it has that same kind of feel the way they moved kind of uniquely. And Spider-Verse has that same kind of vibe. Um, the world building is really fascinating. Like it's, it's kind of Tolkien-esque, but there's twists on a lot of the things that make it really interesting. Um, and there's like char- likable characters to latch on to. And, and even the bad guys are kind of like, they're more gray than just, you know, you know, Sauron being, you know, pure evil. I mean, there's, there's some gray there and it's, it's interesting. And it's, it's, and it's, so if you've got kids or if you just really love animation, I'd recommend the dragon prince on Netflix. And that's my keeping it 100. Well, that's great. I awesome. love uh, me a good Netflix dive and, uh, <clears throat> and this is going to be kind of a kind of interesting because uh, you two have both went a little off brand, Sam going with a Marvel instead of a DC or a Doctor Who, and uh, and Jamie going with a show instead of a, a, a comic or something. I'm staying on brand with a podcast and a music podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you very much, Jamie. Um, I want to talk about uh, history in five songs with Martin Popoff. Now, this is really neat. It was a really neat take on how to introduce a, a genre or a band to people. And he takes five songs uh, from either a band that he'll be discussing. You know, he talked about Iron Maiden. You know, he talked about Rush. Or he'll take five songs from a genre of music, from some really popular bands doing that. And kind of the beginning middle and ending uh really some highlights of the genres uh, you know like uh like power metal european pop you know british hard rock coming over uh, lots of interesting things there so history in five songs give it a listen pretty fun that's a good pitch i'm gonna look that up later cool it got me is there a queen episode I have not been through every episode yet, uh, but uh, um, he's kind of heavy on the glam rock and hard rock. So if there isn't a queen, I'm sure there will be soon. <laughs> well, I was just trying to imagine like which five songs you would pick for what queen because they were so diverse, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that was uh, you know that was kind of what I was worrying about, like how he would do Rush and how he would do uh, a Deep Purple. You know, they took a really interesting take on Deep Purple. He said, you know, Deep Purple is such an influential band. Each country or each region, you're like, who is each area's Deep Purple? So they, 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 all these really progressive bands from around the world, really, really neat. But that's not what we're here to talk about. That's right. We're talking about the strangely named Tom Cruise starring vehicle Edge of living and dying, repeating tomorrow. Um, so, also known as Groundhog Day in Space. This is our Groundhog Day episode. 
so uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy this uh, and enjoy kind of the uh, the little uh, twists that were taken there. We uh, actually done Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day last year, so uh, this year we are doing uh, you know Edge of Tomorrow, Live Die Repeat, where Tom Cruise is repeating the day until he gets it right, saves the world. Some interesting things happen, guys. As yeah. Hero moment. <laughs> What, what's, Maybe. what's some grades we want to throw out here? Okay, um, I'll go first. Um, I've got an A on this one. I really like this one. Um, ton of fun, a lot of heart. Um, Doug Lyman, goodness all over it. Highly recommended. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go. Um, I'm going to go A also. This isn't an A plus. Uh, there's just it's. It's just not quite there, but this is about as close to perfect and so much fun as you can get. Yeah, I'm going to be the same boat. So it's three A's uh, and agree. It's it's close, but, you know, not hitting the bell yet. Yeah. Well, there has been talk of a sequel, so I don't know if it will be better or worse, but I don't know how they could screw up the title anymore unless they just call it (laughs) Well, it could be lived, I repeat, to slash edge of tomorrow, too. Lived, I repeat, also. There's lots of ways they can mess that up, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they did a lot well in this movie. And so as That's we right. transition to our next segment, let's talk about some things that we're fans of. Marshall University's premier pop culture convention is back. HerdCon 2020, March 14th, 2020, with special guest Bo Smith, writer and creator of Wine on Earth and Huntington Nate. Come and enjoy pop culture herd style, March 14th, 2020 at Marshall University. Find us on Facebook or Google HerdCon 2020 for more info. All right, uh, Dwayne, you want to go first? Um, yeah, sure. Um, as a as a fan, there is so much goodness in this movie, you know, from from the cast on down. But one thing I'm going to stick to is I love the military in the future designs. I love the mech suits. I love the drop ships. How how they've implemented all that. Uh, you know, in this, there's still a lot of recognizable stuff in the future. You know, we still have, you know, the helicopters that look like helicopters. We still have cars that look like cars. But the weapons, the the, the mechanized suits, and this alien invasion is kind of, puts it vaguely, you know, is it tomorrow? Is it, you know, 15 years from now? Um, you know, it's a really familiar world. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of stuff is really familiar. You still have the... Uh, the uh, digital pattern camo and, and a lot of the desert camo that you see, uh, you know, when they're interacting with the military folk, but, you know, it's just a really neat take on that, on that mech, you know, kind of the Iron Man suit or the, uh, you know, the, the, the loading suit from aliens, you know, that, that she fights with uh, just to make you that much more of a powerful soldier. I really love the military design and you still have swords. And you still have Emily Blunt kicking butt with a sword. <laughs> that is going to be my big fan. Did All you right. know what her sword is made out of? Uh, was it a helicopter blade? 
it is. That's what I was thinking. It was awesome. Yeah. As yeah. I watched, I was like, "That's a helicopter yeah. blade, I believe." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's sharpening. Yeah, she's sharpening a helicopter blade. She's just kicking tail with that thing. And you know, you were talking about that that military aspect and the technology, and I do like that. You know, that's one of the things I think that stands out in this movie is, you know, if it's a cool mech suit, sign me up. I'll be, you know, I'm down with watching that movie at any point in time. You know, kaiju or mech suits, I'm usually down for it no matter what. So uh, just having that element, I think that was a cool part. Yeah. Yeah. um, I'll I'll go next with my fan. Um, And this is kind of a weird one. Um, My fan is inept Tom Cruise. (laughs) I love when Tom Cruise isn't like super cool, suave, you know, competent. Whenever Tom Cruise is being like shady or inept or just, you know, incompetent. I mean, whenever he's there, there's something like that. I mean, I think I've seen too much of Tom Cruise being Ethan Hunt or that, that type of character. Maverick. And yeah. And he's really good at this kind of like, like, like when he's blackmailing the general in the beginning, like he's good at that. And or early before he's figuring out what he's doing, when he's inept, you know, he's he's really good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he should lean into it. It's a it's a lot. I think it's a lot more fun than Maverick or Ethan Hunt. Um, and it's probably just because it's too much. He's too good looking to be good at everything and always be charming. It's off putting when he's good at everything. <laughs> um well, you know, you do have that with a lot of the leading men, and, and Tom Cruise is one of today's most famous leading men, and so everything he does in all of his movies, he's just so great and perfect at. And in this, we see him really failing, really struggling, and really have some hard emotional things you know, that he's dealing with. You know, I'm not saying that he doesn't deal with emotion in his other movies, but like you said, the, the inept Tom Cruise, he just it's it's stuff that he's never had to deal with because he's such a slick business guy. He was, you know, wearing it out, you know, blackmailing the, the general. But you know, when he gets faced with warfare, he's just completely out of his element and failing all over himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tom Cruise is one of those actors, and I've said for years that almost every role he plays feels like the same character. He's always um, Tom Cruise on screen. Yeah, uh, and and you know there there's a couple actors that I think fall into that, and that's what makes this movie I think different. And I agree with Jamie when he's playing a little smarmy, where he's, you know, uh, that that you know, how do I turn the safety on? How do I turn the safety <laughs> on? You know, that, that ineptness. I think I agree that that's an interesting part that makes this character a little different at the beginning. So. All right, so uh, I guess I'll finish up the fans, and I've got kind of a strange one, right? It's not about characters, or it's not about mech suits. It's about the plot itself. I love the explanation for the time travel element in this movie. You know, in most speculative fiction, you know, we're so used to this concept of a hive mind, right? You can think of the Borg and TNG, the Cybermen and Doctor Who. See, I got Doctor Who in somewhere. Uh, But, you know, this movie, on the other hand, uses blood. It's the blood of the Alpha that, that causes this. It's a more visceral connection. And when you think about the idea of blood, I mean, it's a symbol of life, love, family. You know, this thing is what gives him this ability, and that's what makes it very different. You know, and and in true literary fashion, 
you know, obviously when the power of, in that blood is lost, the hero then must strive to still prevail, you know, even though the odds are overwhelming. So it's that, that element, like I said, that more visceral element that I think makes this really interesting. Well put. Really yeah, really neat. Uh, yeah. The, the time travel thing is, is really neat. Now I love, you know, this movie has a few things I love, you know, the battles makes it time travel. Sign me up. The, the time travel uh, aspect. I love the way that the uh, the aliens move. It's almost like they're out of time with reality a little bit. They're kind of jerky. They're kind of foldy. You know, they're a little bit out of the dimension. Uh, that is a really really neat thing. And also, they look like the Squiddies from the Matrix. I was thinking that too. The alpha as much, but the smaller ones, yeah, yeah definitely remind me of the Squiddies. So the way yeah, they the, move and stuff. I knew I was trying. My mind was trying to link a connection. It wasn't going there. That's exactly what it was. Now the alphas were really very much like a, uh, uh, almost like a Pokemon card. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you would see this this lioness, you know type beast uh, yeah they were really yeah, their, their design was really awesome yeah and, i agree and yeah the, the time travel stuff was was great so what what are some pans some things that didn't quite settle right with the um I'll, I'll go first um rewatchability isn't the best um I don't think this movie is super rewatchable because part of the fun of this movie is seeing the crazy and bizarre things that happen, especially to Tom Cruise as he's figuring out what's going on, as he's slowly getting competent. And it's the surprise of it that makes so much of it fun. And I'd watched this movie fairly recently. So to watch it again in short order, some of the fun of it was gone because there wasn't any surprise element to it. And so it's not a super rewatchable movie. And that's a, I mean, that's that's a, that's a very small pan. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just, I mean, I never, I was never bored still, but also it wasn't the same kind of thrill ride as it was the first time. We well, to think about it like a video game, right? Once you learn all the patterns in you know, an old, an old side scrollers, and you beat it, okay, why do I want to play it again? I already know that, you know, duck punch sweep the leg kind of deal right so i mean it's kind of like an old video game is what it made me think of i mean i even i even found myself like instead of watching the movie i was evaluating the scenes like okay so the scene where the ship falls on the the naked guy how many times do they really have to refilm that or can they just use it the film it the one time and reuse it over and over again so i was watching yeah. the scene trying to figure out how many times they use the exact same scene over again right and, mm. but i wasn't doing that the first time i was just on the ride Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, Tom Cruise in, uh, had really taken that, like Samuel was saying, the video game patterns with the battle. You know, you see him and Emily Blunt working their way through the field. Okay, left here, forward 12 paces, turn to the right. We go over here. You go there. I'll go here, you know. And so there, he's taken that step by step. And when you see him, you know, go through and – He's realizing what he can do, what he can't do. You know, he can't save the can't save the naked guy, so to speak. But he can save the uh, he can save uh, you know the major and the rest of J Squad in the pit. You know, by by running around and still getting to his his goal. And uh, and you know, and I love later on when they they say, she looks at him, she says, "No, what do we do now?" He said, "We've never got this far before." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like I said, like an old video game. You know how it is. You know in Mario World 1.1, you know how to get through that. But, man, when you get to 1.2, you're just not sure. So. Well, a lot of this feels like a video game. I mean, it feel, like, I've played a lot of first-person shooters in my time, and it there's a lot of food that feels like a really well-done first-person shooter game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll be my pen. That'll be my pen. <laughs> this movie is not as beautifully filmed as I think it could have been. It's, it's, it's missing something in the filming. I don't know if it's definition. I don't know if it's editing. But there's a little something that, that it seems like. And some scenes start to touch upon just this glorious beautiful scenery or just you know that the way the action coalesces together but there was something just not quite and i guess that's what brings it from an a plus to an a there was just something missing with the visuals to it there was just something not quite there i don't know I if think... you guys felt that way or not but it seemed like that there was something that they just didn't quite weren't quite able to realize the cinematic vision well, I think that's the Doug Lyman influence. I mean, he, I mean, he he likes things a little grungy. I mean, if you go yeah. back and watch all of the Bourne movies, the first one is a lot grungier feeling than the rest of them. Um, mm. I, I, I think that's the director's influence on it. Yeah, now that's interesting because that is a, a kind of a grungy, dirty movie. Uh, but you know, that's kind of that setting, you know. And of course, you know, you have you have you know gorgeous characters in there too. But you have you know how how handsome is Tom Cruise? How handsome is Emily Blunt? How beautiful, you know, are they? And you know, it was still. Oh no, there was just something lacking there huh. yeah, to me. But yeah, it could be the grunginess too that you were talking about. Yeah. You know, I, I think in terms of pans, you know, part of what what Dwayne's alluding to is, I think maybe kind of what got me is, you know, they keep establishing this concept of he's going back and redoing, going back and redoing. But I think sometimes they do it a little too much it almost becomes like a stopping point and like a restart. And I don't know about you all, but we've, we've alluded to video games, but you know, numerous times I've had to respawn. I've been a very unhappy camper. Uh, so I don't know if it's just this idea of maybe my feelings about it, that I just felt like you're constantly going back and forth. You know, I appreciated the scenes where they were much more subtle. Uh, yeah. I think especially when, during that conversation with Matt, I Moody, uh, General Brigham in his, in his office, you know, oh, this isn't the first time we've had this conversation. You know, I like the more subtlety. I think with the visceral back and forth so Don't much, shoot him again. Yeah, don't shoot him again. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, I, I think it, it kind of stops a little bit of the momentum of the movie. And I think that's what <laughs> throws it off for me a little bit. Now, I also realize that they're having to develop Cage's character arc. They're trying to go from Mr. Inept to, you know, back to traditional Tom Cruise, but that's probably my biggest pan. I just feel like there's so many starts and stops that it, it kind of stops my progress following this movie sometimes. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. Because uh, I really enjoyed some of that. Like like that quick succession of times where they show Emily Blunt shooting him in the head. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I got a kick out of that. It was maybe, maybe it was one or two too many, but I enjoyed them all. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, Jamie, what does that say for your enjoyment of Tom Cruise? <laughs> I was going to say, are, are, we, are we going on some deep personal Tom Cruise feeling, maybe? So. <laughs> I like it, Tom Cruise. What do you mean to say? <laughs> Shoot him again. <laughs> One more time. 
more you know, I'm tired. I'm tired. I think we just need to start over. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think that's all of our pans. I think we're done being mean. You want to give out some awards, fellas? Let's do it. Let's do it. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. Alright, so our first award this week is Best Performance. Sammy, what you got? Alright, so with Best Performance, I've got to give this to Emily Blunt. Her character of Rita Vrataski, the angel of Verdun herself. Um, you know, when you look at her IMDb filmography, she starts out, you know, with a lot of Jane Austen, okay? And she's playing these very uh, demure types of characters. So to all of a sudden go from that to being this character, she completely sells it. Her attitude, her physicality, is just what we need for this. And she put the time in to work out because she had shoulders that I wish I had. So, uh, <laughs> but yes, my performance definitely goes to uh, Emily Blunt in this. Well, I went with, despite um, despite my apparent deep-seated um, subconscious you know, dislike of Tom Cruise, I went with Tom Cruise. Um, he is a great actor. Um, he's not just a great action star. He's flexing too much action star lately and not enough, you know, actor, you know, type performances. Um, And so I love that in this movie, he really does get to show that off. He has vulnerable moments where he seems genuinely vulnerable. Um, He has moments where he's afraid and he looks afraid when it's time for him to be smarmy. He's willing, you know, smarmy. Um, And but when it's also time for him to be sort of the humble hero, when he's kind of got things figured out, you buy it, you know, and. That's that's not easy to pull off all of the different stages he has to go through in a you know hour and fifty seven minute you know runtime. And so, Tom Cruise, best performance. Okay. okay. Dwayne. Well, I'm glad you guys picked those two because that leaves me free to uh, bring <laughs> forward Bill Paxton, the uh, the drill the nostril sergeant from the moment. He says, can I help you, son? <laughs> to when Tom Cruise is running around them in the the, the, the pit that I referred to earlier and, and rescuing them from the mimics. Uh, he, he cracks me up. Every scene he's in, I feel like he devours it. He's got this spiel. You can be redeemed in combat. <laughs> be baptized in fire you know and uh, i mean he is just the the classic drill sergeant and he's putting off one thing yeah come on this right this way i'll help you it'll everything will be fine was to yep here's your barracks i really don't care and, yep <laughs> i'm being a jerk <laughs> you know you know we're I'll talking about Bill Paxton, you know, I love the scene where Tom Cruise, the first time he tries to roll underneath the truck and he gets ran over, just the look on Bill Paxton's face, like, what in the world did you do, boy? You made a mess. 
You made a upsetting okay. facility. Okay, hold on. Let's go ahead and do the best scene. Award, okay. That's my best scene. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. Um, no, actually, hold on. It. Let's let's flip the awards around then. Um, because that's my best death scene. So okay. Can we, can we flip the awards around a little bit? Well, let's sure. do it. Okay, so best death scene. It's the first time that Cage rolls under the Jeep and gets run over. And it's the sound that Tom Cruise makes when he gets hit. <laughs> it's all of the people's faces who are confused and horrified. And it is especially Bill Paxton going, Boy, what were you thinking? <laughs> that, that is absolutely the best death scene in the movie. So I'm sorry to go out of order, but you already said it, so I wanted to jump in. I'm, I'm sorry about that. That, 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 well, that scene just sticks out, doesn't it? It, yeah. just, it makes me crack up. Yeah. All right, so uh, Sammy, what was your best day for you? All right, so I'm, you know, it's so funny. I'm killing off uh, Tom also. Uh, I love his first death scene when he's covered with the alpha mimic's blood. And just, it almost looks like he's melting, you know. uh, It gives me a very much an Aliens vibe with the, you know, the acid for blood type of thing. But but it just looks so creepy because it halts just for a moment on his face. And that blue's there and you can just see it's almost like he's melting. And I just thought that was really cool special effects. It reminded me of, if you ever kept a, um, like a Halloween pumpkin around for too long. And yeah. it like and it kind of caves in and like the cave yeah. it kind of looked like that and like like a fast view like speeds it up yeah mm-hmm. but with a human face I mean, it was gnarly yeah. <laughs> well right. Jamie you stole my best my best death scene. <laughs> and that was that was mine so uh um and Sam that was a great one too uh, I'm gonna go uh with the, the transport falling on naked man <laughs> <laughs> being the best death scene. You know, and I, I don't know, we see it a couple times, but, you know, this guy is just so out there. He's just so crazy. He's like, okay, I'm going to go here and fight naked, you know. And that, I got to be free. That's, and that's something, uh, you know, historically that the Spartans did, you know, and that was kind of like the first mental warfare. You know, how intimidated would you be, this muscular naked man running at you with a sword, you know, <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> which, and, which I thought it was kind of poignant at the end that the, there's no – no alternative where he saves that guy and it works. He has yeah. to let him die. There was nothing that he could do to save yeah. him. Until, you know, like you said, until, until you get to the end and some things happen. So let's move yeah. on. So, all right, all right. so I, I've got to make a request. So we moved up best, best death. I think we've got to move up best side character moment. That's my best side character moment. <laughs> when he jumped and Kimball jumps off and he's like, i got to be free, man. <laughs> I laugh every time with that scene. Dwayne, what was your best side character moment? Uh, My best side character moment, um, I'm going to go back to Bill Paxton. And uh, I'm going to kind of cheat here. I'm going to take a a note from the graphically novel crew and cheat. And I'm going to give the second best quote. And uh, this is going to be Bill Paxton when uh, Tom Cruise says, you're American because all this is happening in England. (laughs) As they're going across the channel, he says, oh, you're American. And, and, and Bill Paxton just responds and says, no, sir, I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that just nails that character. Yeah. 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 Uh, and mine, mine is close. Mine's another Bill Paxton scene. Um, 
it's the very first time he gives the speech. Um, and it's it's how much Bill, Bill Pax is clearly enjoying him, himself. I mean, he's clearly having a blast being you know, Master Sergeant Farrell. And I love just how confused Tom Cruise is by everything that's happening to him. Um, so my best side character moment is the very first Bill Paxton speech. Yeah. Okay. That's a great, yeah. Right, say so, it, what say you? Or no, you already gave yours. Yeah, yeah. yeah when, mine was, that went, oh, yeah. No, got another, na- another naked soldier moment. Yeah, Kimmel's great in that. Oh, and if yeah. any of our listeners are, are listening without watching the movie, he's not fully naked. Um, so th- this is family friendly for the most part. Yes. Yeah, the, the mech has a strategically placed armor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you see some butt cheek, but that's about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so let's, let's go back. Sorry, I missed the word, guys. Uh, best scene. Dwayne, what was your, what was your best scene? Uh, the best scene? Um, well, I know you were talking about the movie kind of repeating itself a little too much from time to time. I think a the best scene for me is when the movie sort of resets itself uh, when uh, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt is in the farmhouse uh, trying to figure out about the helicopter and you realize that this isn't the first time. No. And and we hadn't seen these other times. You realize that they've been here before. Uh, yeah. Lots of stuff has happened and, and Tom Cruise is starting to, you know, bring up things and, and, and uh, you know, mention things. Oh, yeah, you like your coffee like this. There should be a shirt over here, and she realizes, oh, this has occurred before, you know, because she had been this, uh, you know, this uh, alpha substitute, sort of, you know, the resetting the day uh, at, at the uh, Battle of Verdun, but, you know, and then she forces the issue anyway and takes off in the helicopter and has to make things, you know, has to kind of push him to that next level. So that's that's my best scene. From there on, the movie just takes a whole other life for me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my favorite scene is a small moment. Um, it's because we see um, Bill Paxton and Tom Cruise go into J-Squad's um, bunk room several times. Mm-hmm. My favorite one is the one where Tom has he's got everything figured out. Like he knows like, you know, where the baseball glove is. He knows what happened with the poker game. He knows everybody's name, except for one guy who never talks. Um, (laughs) I love when he goes in and he's got it all figured out and he runs in, covers the poker game with the blanket, you know, takes his stuff from the guy with, with Farrell, throws it on the bed, hands the ball glove to the guy. And, and I love just like Tom Cruise is being smarmy there, but also like how freaked out everyone in the room is. Right. And I love just a baffled look on Bill Paxton's face because it's a small moment. I just I get a kick out of that scene every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, I think this this movie has those big, grandiose kind of science fiction moments, but I think it has those small moments also. And I think that's another one of my best scenes. One of my favorite scenes in it is another small moment. Because I think it's a turning point in the movie. I love when Cage leaves the base and is sitting in, in that little pub. And all of the older people around him are talking about the history, the Battle of Britain, Normandy. You know, all the things that they had seen in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that changes Cage's view a little bit. It's not about an army base or a battle. It's about the people who are in London 
And to me, that that's just a really great scene. And I feel like after that moment, he's so much more resolute about his mission. And I, and I got the impression that was the first time he had done that because when he sees the the Matrix squid, he's coming up the the I guess the the, the Thames, river, it, the Thames, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because he even says, "I you know usually I'm dead by now." Yeah, yeah. yeah he makes that comment. So. Okay, gentlemen. Best character. There's not a great deal of characters in this movie, you know, aside from your main ones. We spend a lot of time with them. So what's some best characters? Where are you going there, Jamie? Uh, I'm going with Rita, um, whose last name I can't pronounce. Um, the Angel of Verdun, the Full Metal Blink. Uh, <laughs> I love, by the way, the, the guy that starts to say that and she punches. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, her, her, that's her younger brother. <laughs> so there's been and, no, in real life. no rehearsals for that in real life. Yeah, <laughs> she probably punched him in the face before. I was wondering because when I looked at the cast list, I saw his last name, yeah. and I was like, relation. And I didn't didn't go any deeper down the rabbit hole, but you know. But uh, I, I loved that she doesn't put up with any of Cage's nonsense, um, and I uh, and I love that there's some subtle moments like the when when she first beats him, and you know she figures out that. She is what she once was. That 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 recognition, the standoffishness goes away. Um, I love that the the pain she shows when she's talking about her friend, her superior officer. She had to watch die three hundred times. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just how will, her willingness to sacrifice himself. Like the moment she goes and gets in that helicopter, even though Tom Cruise has told her there is no option, there's no alternative, there's no path to us doing this where you survive if you get in that helicopter and she gets in it anyway, she's willing to sacrifice herself to save the day. And, um, and she's tough, man, for, a, for a, not a large lady. I mean, she's a, she's a slender lady. Um, you buy that she's tough. Yep. And that's, I mean, she's a great character. Yeah, All right. she's she's a great character. Sam, what's say? All right, so so, so this is where um, I give uh, I give that little statue to Bill Paxton. Okay, so uh, he's definitely best character in terms for me. Master Sergeant Phil, and Bill Paxton just does so great about this. His speaking style, the nonverbal expression in the performance, mm-hmm. it just makes his character stand out. And I agree with Jamie. I don't know how many cuts or how many takes they had, you know, with him having to go through that same speech, or maybe if they just filmed it from different angles. But either way, he nails it every time. Every time. And, and even in the scene Jamie was alluding to, where Tom Cruise kind of knows what's going on and he goes through it, you know, he plays still that well. Even though he's shocked, he's not going to let it, you know, let it bug him. He's still going to just kind of be be that master sergeant. So yeah, Master Sergeant Farrell is definitely my best character. Yeah, he's great. Uh, Dwayne. Okay. Well, um, I I know we've already talked about your best performances with with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt, some of these main characters, and we've we've heaped praise upon Bill Paxton. Um, I'm going to go to Brendan Gleeson's character, the the general over the thing. He didn't really, you know, have a lot of. But the scenes he was in, I mean, you have him from going to completely, completely in control to, you know, at the end when he gives them the device, you know, to really to being confused, but then saying, you know, okay, you know, 
maybe we can give this a try. There, there may be some other hope. Um, and just the weight, the weight of the war on his shoulders, on his face. You can really read that. Uh, he's he's a masterful actor. Uh, you know, uh, everything I've seen him in Mad Eye Moody on down. I mean, he's just phenomenal. Love Brendan Gleeson and love his portrayal of this. Yeah. Can I, can I give a shout out to a tiny character in this movie? Sure. Uh, Nance, the, the, lone, <laughs> the lone female in J Squad. She's such a strange lady. I mean, I think she has the strangest laugh. Like, it's like a hyena bark. I mean, it's, <laughs> and I don't know what accent she's doing, but I love it. And the way she eats her playing card. And Tom yep. Cruise's face. I mean, just everything she does is offbeat, and it's just fascinating. Lord, when they're when they're jogging, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, well you <laughs> a hot oh. cup of. <laughs> Shut it. It's almost like she's trying to talk, and there's something in her mouth. Yeah. You know, you, you know, in Godfather, they talk, they talk about how they stuff De Niro's cheeks, and that's why he's not De Niro. But um, oh, help, help me out. My blank, my brain's blanking um, again. But you know, fast. Um, Brando, Marlon Brando. Brando. There we go. So when Stefan Brando's cheeks, and that was the reason supposedly he talked the way he talked. And so it made me feel like <laughs> this actor was really just trying to give us something in the accent, you know, something in the speaking style or diction, or they've jammed something in her mouth to make her sound this way. I think well, she's eating too many playing cards. Well, <laughs> the, um, the J squad, they're kind of the, the end of the line. They're kind of the goobers. Then you see the whole invasion. I mean, they're throwing everything at this in the kitchen sink. You know, so it seems like they have just got everyone. And, you know, going through boot camp, uh, you know, what they do is they destroy you and build you back up. You know, and it seems like she has been torn down but not quite built back up. <laughs> or, or maybe she just didn't have the facilities to, you know, complete the building. I don't know. Uh, she's kind of this, you know, real deep, deep heels, redneck, you know, um, and it's almost like she has, you talk about something in her mouth, it's almost like she has a, a chew of tobacco, you know, a chaw yeah. of tobacco or some of Yeah, say. seriously. And she, she's just kind of that thing. You know, but speaking of the way she talks and things people say, we have one last award, which is our best quote, gentlemen. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and jump in because you have already kept mentioned my best quote. And that comes in with Bill Paxton and Master Sergeant Farrell. When Tom Cruise says, yes, sir, I think you're an American. And Master Sergeant Farrell says, no, sir, I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> yep. That was great. Um, and, and the entire conversation after that about Science Hill in Cranberry, New Jersey. I mean, <laughs> I never, never I asked. I don't care. <laughs> just love love that that whole back and forth but with with paxton just going no sir i'm from kentucky so. well, i'm gonna jump in because i've got another bill paxton quote from that same conversation and it's just after they go in through the doors of the barracks and bill paxton starts you know giving a soliloquy about battle battle is the great redeemer it is the fiery crucible in which true heroes are forged, the one place where all men truly share the same rank, regardless of what kind of parasitic scum they were going in. 
<laughs> it is the parasitic scum line. The two words that take it up a notch for me and make it my favorite. <laughs> yep. That that's that's a great line. Uh, that's a great line. Um, well, I'm going to go off brand again, and I'm, I'm I have I had this one shows even before. Uh, this is probably one of my first awards I gave when we when we started uh, rewatching this movie. But the best quote for me is when they're in the farmhouse, and she's telling Tom Cruise, she says, "I'm hurt. I'm wounded. I'm tired. We're kind of at an end here." Let's just start over. And she pulls out the gun. He's like, no, no, no. And she's like, okay, you got 10 minutes, then I'm killing you. <laughs> <laughs> you got 10 minutes, then I'm killing you. <laughs> I, I think that is, without a doubt, Rita's best line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of the best. Yeah. That's one of the best there. Uh, so, I mean, uh, we have this great movie. And, and, you know, even at the end when, um, you know, Tom Cruise resets the day and we have the whole change of a whole new world the whole the whole thing has shifted just like in the matrix when when our beloved keanu shifts you know the the rule from the machines and starts taking that power where does keanu join forces take the power from the mimics in keeping it 100 jamie well, there is an actor. It's not Bill Paxton. I wanted it to be Bill Paxton really badly. I looked at this filmography over and over so again, bad. trying to find. Yeah, couldn't couldn't make it happen. But there is an actor in this movie who has a relatively small filmography, but he has been in some pretty awesome movies. He was in another movie with Tom Cruise called The Last Samurai. Um, had, a, had a role on Westworld. He's been in, if you go through his filmography, he's been in some interesting historical flicks. Uh, it's been in a, quite a few Kung Fu movies, but most importantly for our purposes, and I'm going to butcher this, Masayoshi Haneda, who played Takeda in this movie, also appeared with our beloved Keanu in 47 Ronin back in 2013. So Masayoshi Haneda is our Keanu connection this week. Okay. Very nice. 47 Ronin. Excellent. Yeah, that looks like a blast of a movie, 47 Ronin. I've, uh, even though our love for Keanu, I've never had uh, the chance to take the dive into that, but I'm going to have to get into that. 47 Ronin. Well, I'm, I'm imagining that next week is going to be a tough Keanu connection. Um, and next week we're going to be reviewing Gross Point Blank. Dan Aykroyd, John Cusack, Mimi Driver, John Cusack. And I think this is our Valentine's Day episode. This is this is going to be our Valentine's Day episode. This is going to be our love story. <laughs> yes. Uh, so so love time. and the smell of gunpowder is in the air. <laughs> and on that note, let's keep it dirty. 